This is the Create and Thrive podcast, episode 184, how to teach in-person workshops on your craft. And this one is from the archives. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hello, lovely makers. This is Jess, and welcome to another episode of the show. A very exciting thing happened this week, and that is Apple Podcasts have created a new online uh, web-based way of viewing the podcast pages. And you know what that means? That means I can actually see all of my reviews from other countries for the first time. So I'm really excited about that. Thank you to everyone from all over the world who's left me, who've left me wonderful reviews over the last four years, uh, five years that I've been doing this show. Uh, it's really lovely to go and read through all of those. And there's quite a few new ones recently. So thank you so, so much. Reviews do really just make a huge difference, not only to the visibility of the show, because shows rank on Apple Podcasts depending on how many reviews they're getting. So the more reviews, the higher you rank and the more people are likely to see your show. But also just as a creator, it's really, really nice to get some feedback. (laughs) So I'm not just speaking into the void. It's really nice to hear from you and know that this show is helping you and that you're finding it valuable. So if you have been a long time listener or something's really, really resonated with you, I'd love to hear it. So the best way to tell me is leave a review either on Apple Podcasts or come over to the Create and Thrive Facebook page and leave a review there. Uh, I'd really, really love to read what you are getting out of this show. And before we go into this episode, which is all about teaching, uh, teaching your craft in a workshop space, specifically teaching it in person, I do plan on doing an episode in the not too distant future uh, that will help you figure out if you want to do online workshops and how to actually make that happen and how to produce and how to host and sell online workshops. So that will be coming up. Uh, This is the main body of this uh, episode is from uh, an archive show from a number of years ago with expert uh, craft teacher Rhi Nedelenko, Dr. Rhi Nedelenko. And it's a fantastic, fantastic episode. If you have ever thought about teaching your craft or you already teach your craft, you will get so much out of this. Do not miss it. Have a good listen. But before we dive into that, I want to just make sure that you know about my new free resource. So it's called the Etsy quick start guide. Now, those of you who've been around for a while know that I started my business as a hobby on Etsy in 2008. Uh, If you're ever curious about my story, go back and listen to episode zero, where I outline my story up to that point. And so much has changed. Like Etsy is so much more complicated than it used to be. (laughs) And there's so much more competition. So it's really hard to know if you're doing it right. Now, you know, I've been on Etsy for over 10 years. It's a huge part of my handmade business. I get a lot of my sales through Etsy. I've been selling full-time since 2010. And Etsy themselves actually invited me back in 2015 and 2016 to be a teacher for their Etsy resolution program. So, you know, I have a lot of knowledge and experience with Etsy itself. And I know I don't talk a lot about Etsy specifically on this show because I'm 
really keen to make sure that people realize it's not the only way to succeed but it is important and I do say that I think if you have a handmade shop you should have an Etsy shop and and be on that platform and get the visibility that it gives you but I want to make sure you don't miss any vital steps in the process of setting up a stellar Etsy shop to sell your handmade creations, which is why I created this free Etsy quick start guide. It's a two page checklist that covers everything you need to do to ensure you've made your Etsy shop the best it can be. And not only that, it's packed full of links to additional resources that I've created on all aspects of Etsy shop setup. So not only do you get the checklist, there's heaps of links embedded in that checklist it's a pdf that you can click on and go get more information on that particular topic so if you'd like to grab your free copy of the etsy quick start guide all you need to do is head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash etsy guide all one word createandthrive.com forward slash etsy guide pop your email in check your inbox to confirm and then you'll get access to Uh, the page and not only will you get the Etsy quick start guide you'll get access to everything else that's in my handmade business toolkit there's a whole bunch of other resources free resources in that toolkit for people who are subscribed to my email updates so go on over and grab that right now and I hope it really helps you get your Etsy shop either up and running or it's a really good way to do like a review. Like, oh, am I doing everything? Have I missed anything? Are there things that I could spruce up uh, to improve my shop? So it'll help you if you're in that situation as well. Okay, so let's head on over and get on with this episode. My interview with Dr. Rini Nadalenko that is all about how to really run outstanding craft workshops, not just mediocre craft workshops, but really outstanding craft workshops that your students will love and rave about. All right, guys, I'm here today with Rhi Natalenko, I should say Dr. Rhi Natalenko, uh, who is going to be chatting with me today about running workshops, art and crafts workshops. Welcome to the show, Rhi. Thank you. Thank you, Jess. It's great to have you here. Now, before we before we dive in, uh, would you be so kind as to tell everybody a little bit about you and your background? Sure, Jess. Um, yes, you said Dr. Renatalenko. My doctorate's in creative arts, which is always a good place to start. And yes. my I have um, master's degrees in education and teacher training. So I thought. I'd combine the two a bit um, when I talk about uh, running arts and crafts workshops, which uh, I, I've, I've done quite a lot of uh, talking about over the years. <laughs> <laughs> so are you a, you're an artisan yourself then? I do some uh, textile art, okay. uh, which I'm uh, reasonable at, I guess, but... <laughs> Mostly I write. I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. And um, so teaching writing workshops goes right along there with the arts and crafts. Fantastic. So um, a lot of people listening probably know I'm a teacher. Oh, I was a teacher uh, in schools as well. And now I teach online, which is awesome. So we're talking teaching today. And I think this is a really important topic because I'm a big believer in... um, multiple streams of income and I think as crafters you know those of us who are trying to make a living selling our craft having something else we do 
in that vein, such as teaching workshops, can be not only useful financially but also useful to you know build your reputation and um, reach out to new people in your community? I think that's true. I think that's absolutely true. There's lots of important things um, which uh, make it really good to run workshops. A lot of good reasons why you should be doing that. Yes, yes, definitely. Oh, and before we keep going, I just want to quickly mention, everybody listening, uh, Ree has written an awesome book called Share Your Skills, The Ultimate Guide to Running an Art or Craft Workshop, and we're going to be giving away a few copies. You'll find out how to do that at the end of the podcast, so make sure to listen right to the end to find out how to do that. But in the meantime, we're going to give you away give away a few of the uh, the tips and tricks that Ree shares in her book. Uh, so let's dive into yes. those now. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. So what uh, we, I asked you to pick uh, kind of your top five bits of advice for people who want to run a really good craft or arts workshop. So let's start chatting about those. Okay, well, I think the first important thing is to prepare well mm. for a workshop. Um there's lots of uh, lots of times that people have come up to me and say, well, you know, I know my stuff. Well, of course you do. <laughs> of course you know your stuff. Otherwise, you wouldn't be invited to run a workshop, would you? But um, a lot of those people who are experts in their own field have never run workshops. Mm-hmm. And I think, have you ever been to workshops, Jess, where you've paid good money and uh, wondered... Why? <laughs> yes, yes. I unfortunately I have been to those workshops. Um, yeah. I think the key here is that an expert does not make a teacher. Uh, then they're true. not. Th- yeah. They're very different skill sets. And I think if you are an expert in your field, you and you do want to teach, you do actually have to work at the teaching aspect of it. You do, and that so that's why the very first of my tips is to prepare well now. Um, you, as a teacher, have probably heard of the uh, 90-10 rule mm-hmm. um, where you prepare for 90% of the time and teach for 10%. Yeah. So if your workshop is a, an hour, then you do at least nine hours of preparation. And I, ha- I know people say to me, what? How can, you- <laughs> How can you spend nine hours preparing? Well, it's it's not... Uh, it's not that it's hard to do nine hours of preparation, it's that it's almost uh, a necessity to do that mm. because there's so many things that you have to get ready in order for everything to run really smoothly. Yes. So, for example, um, there's your resources. All of your resources have to be totally prepared. Now, you've got to decide, are your students bringing things and if they are you've got to send lists to the students for them to know exactly what to bring and believe me doesn't matter how many emails you send to students <laughs> there are going to be students who don't bring anything to yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're going to have to prepare spare sets of resources for them mm-hmm. you're going to have to prepare your own resources as well the ones that you're demonstrating with and uh making sure that everything's right so that you don't leave one behind. So mm-hmm. you're going to need a good checklist 
with everything on it that you're going to need, everything that you might need, and a whole checklist of things that you don't think you'll need, but I guarantee <laughs> there'll be one or two things on that list that you will. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I do pre- give you in the book is um, a whole set of checklists. Oh, so very that's useful. a really good thing. Yes. And then there's the visual aids that you're going mm. to use. You know, the ones that say... And I just made this yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Look at what I prepared earlier. <laughs> you know? And for every step of the way, not just this is what it's going to look like, mm. although you're going to need one of those, although you can almost guarantee that nobody in the class will have that, mm-hmm. have a thing that looks like yours at the end. <laughs> but, and that's important too, that you let them know that their thing is not necessarily going to look like your thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But your visual aids so that you can show step-by-step all the different stages in the workshop. Mm. Um, And then I think one of the most important things is to practice the workshop in real time. Mm -hmm. So if it's going to be a full-day workshop, you actually practice for a full day Mm -hmm. when you before you run the first one. Obviously, if you're running the same workshop over and over again, this part speeds up a bit. Yes. But it's really important to know, uh, you know, to pretend now I'm arriving mm-hmm. and I'm setting up all my gear, so here I am setting it up. Oh, where's the water? Okay, <laughs> I'll have to go into... And, you know, sort of to imagine that you're in the space where you'll be setting up the workshop because it might not be at your home it might be at a space you've never used before it might be that the toilets are locked it yep. might there's all sorts of things that could actually go wrong that you you should practice for so practice in real time and because of those uh housekeeping things i always like to say arrive an hour early yes. to set up um, uh, the number of times that I've just been giving a straight PowerPoint type workshop and I've turned up and my Mac doesn't speak to their oh, screen. Yeah. You know that? Type? Yeah, I've had that happen so many times. And, <laughs> and so you've got to, and you, they say, oh, well, you know, um, yes, you can use FPOS here, but, um, not an, only in the foyer. Yeah. <laughs> The signal doesn't reach. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is fine. Uh, And so those sort of housekeeping-y things, Mm. it's always good to set up an hour before so that when you're – and especially especially for me because I'm often teaching a workshop on how to run workshops. (laughs) If it weren't working, I'd look an idiot before I even started. So, yes. So um, so an hour before – and. I was at um, a convergence in in New Zealand, felting convergence, and when I turned up an hour before to do before I was supposed to speak, they'd set everything up in the wrong room. Oh my goodness! So it was a good job that I turned up <laughs> yes. an hour before. Yes. By the time we started, everything was cool. Everything That's... was fine. So <laughs> preparation is a really important part of. Uh, workshop running yes yeah definitely I totally agree I mean the amount of I've given a lot of obviously workshops uh 
in my teaching days, I used to do this one job where I went and did science workshops on the weekend with kids at different schools. And, you know, I always turned up at least an hour early because, like you said, you don't know where are the toilets, do you need a key, where's, where's the water, where's the electricity, you know, do you have all of the stuff that you need? So it's, you know, especially if you're going to an unfamiliar environment or this is a workshop you've never run before, it is so important to go through it all because things will go wrong and, you know, you can kind of guarantee that. So yes. if you've gone through it in your head and you have thought about the possibilities of where things can go wrong, you'll be much more calm and collected because you'll have an idea of how you can solve the problem. And I think oh, that'll exactly. make it flow so much smoother as well. It does. And to to do, to go through it in real time beforehand is it's so useful because then you realize, look, you know what? The water would be better on this side. It would work better from there. And if I had all of my um, uh, samples, you know, on my right-hand side, mm. I could just le- lean down and pick this up. And then I'd put, my, put your samples into the right order so that you're not going, I know I've got this somewhere. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which Absolutely. I'm sure lots of people do. But yeah. if it's going to run smoothly, you get everything prepared ahead of time. And that makes you also more um, confident Yeah, for sure. when you turn up. Because you've done it, even if it's only to your cats. You've actually <laughs> done the whole workshop beforehand. Yeah. I usually put my poor husband through it before. He <laughs> <laughs> must know. be an expert at a lot of things by now. <laughs> yes, I, I teach felting on cruise ships, oh, and wow. um, and he he sits there and he knows everything that's going to happen through the whole lesson. <laughs> he's, very, he's very good. I take that a whole step. I take that a step further. I run workshops once a year at a um a folk festival, the Woodford Folk Festival, and yeah. uh, my husband actually helps me. He's my assistant, and he's actually better at some of the parts of it than I am now. <laughs> I'll have to do that. I'm and and, and it's mostly <laughs> it's mostly women in the workshop, and they love having him help them. <laughs> <laughs> they would actually they they do like it when a, a man helps. That's absolutely true. It's funny, but yes, yes, yeah. preparation is important. Excellent. So, I think we've made that very clear. If we haven't, guys, you need to be. Prepared. I think we've given some good tips. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, what's the second thing? Well, the second thing is. The content. Mm. Now, I know people are saying, you know, well, look, I know my stuff. <laughs> and you, you do. I mean, obviously, you know your stuff. But you know what? You know about a 100 times more than you need to know mm. for that workshop. Yes. And there's nothing worse than somebody who knows so much and they want to give you so much information that you don't actually get through the workshop that you've actually signed up for. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I suggest here is that you make a list of all the things that they must know for the workshop, mm-hmm. all the things that they should know, and other things that it would be nice if they knew. And then you decide, I'm only going to teach the first list. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe mention the second list if I get a little bit of time and the third list I'm going to forget about entirely. So it's very important that you know exactly where the workshop is going to end, Mm. what the people are going to end up 
with. Everybody likes to take something away with them from a workshop. Yes. And not just ideas, but often they, no, they really do like to take something physical away with them. Mm -hmm. And that's the physical thing that you're aiming towards. So, I mean, if they are interested in other techniques, it's a very simple thing. You just say, you know what? If we get to it, I'll, I'll talk about this at the end if we can get to it. Yes. Or you can say, you know what? That's a, a whole nother workshop. Yep. <laughs> you want me to organize. <laughs> and you can up, upgrade. Yes. <laughs> or, yes. That's a but, really good point. Yeah. Yes. So the, um, the, the nice, the nice to knows, you just don't mention. No. And you don't, don't, don't allow them to come into your planning for the workshop. Just the must knows. Yep. So we've got the must knows, the should knows, and the nice to knows. Those yep. are our three levels. That's a real, I think that's actually a really great way of explaining it because those of us who are teaching, like you said, we have a hundred times the knowledge and it can be so hard to drill it down to the basics for a beginner. But that is the mark of a really good teacher is someone who can actually work out what those essentials are and transmit them to their students. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And like you said, yes. people want to actually get through the, the fundamentals so that they can walk away with a finished product. And if you, if you can't get them to that point, and you've got to remember that some people will finish in half the time you expect and other people will probably still be, you know, struggling near the end because everybody works differently and learns differently. So you have to allow for that as well. But I think we're going to talk a bit about that later on, aren't we? I think we might, yes. <laughs> so number two is yes. limit the content, think about the must-knows, and that's what we want to be teaching. Awesome. What is number three? Well, uh, number three, I, I, I like this one very much. This is one of my favorites. It's train like a train. Okay. What does that mean? <laughs> that means when you're teaching, imagine that you're on a train line. Mm -hmm. You start off and... You start the class by saying where you are going. Uh -huh. This is a train to Sydney. <laughs> you are now on a train to Sydney. Here are some pictures of what Sydney will look like when you get there. <laughs> but this is a train to Sydney. If anyone thinks that we were going to Melbourne, <laughs> then uh, they're wrong. And this is actually the train to Sydney. So you make it really clear where the end point of the workshop is. Uh. And then... As you do the workshop, you tell them where you are, like um, the stations along a right. train line. You know, this we've now reached uh, Scarborough Station. So here we have what we're supposed to be looking at at Scarborough Station. How many people have come with us all the way <laughs> to Scarborough Station? Or who's back at like Redcliffe or something? <laughs> yes, you know. <laughs> exactly. So, but but yes, so that every so often along the journey, you let people know where they've reached mm -hmm. so that they know um, how far they've gone. I always like when I teach my 10 top tips for tutors or something, you know, I'll say, mm -hmm. and now we're up to the third tip and we're doing this too. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the third tip, right? This is train like a train. So we know that if we're doing the top five tips, when this is now the third one, we're in the middle, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> So, um, so 
you tell us we tell them where they are and another thing is we have to keep on track mm. there are guaranteed to be students in every single class whose job it is to take you off the track of <laughs> oh that's of so true less yes of the workshop they're going to ask you things that they can sense that you're passionate about mm. and it's going to be so tempting for you to go off track and to mention those things or to talk to that one single student mm -hmm. and i think that's not fair to the other students if you're doing that yep. they've come along to get to sydney and if you're going to take them via canberra that's not going to work right so you've got to make sure that you stay on track mm -hmm. and that any sort of diversions are brought very quickly back onto the track that you started on so that's part of train like a train and then that's i mean people often ask well what can we do with students like that mm. you know apart from strangle them well <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously yeah yeah uh, you just say to them, look, that's that's really interesting, but it's not really part of this workshop. Mm -hmm. And use the the lines that I've given you before, you know, sort of we can make another workshop on that if you're really interested or come and see me at lunchtime, yes. you know, and we can might chat then. Or um, if we get time, remind me at the end yeah. and we might talk about it then. And, of course, if your timing has been well prepared, there won't be time at the end anyway. Mm. So, yes. That's and the awesome. last about... Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, keep going. There's more. Keep going. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, the last thing about train like a train is uh, make it really clear when we've reached the destination. There's, mm. I, I think at the end of workshops, people tend to run out of time or they tend to have to wrap up really quickly mm -hmm. or somebody has to go and fetch their kids from school and... And it sort of often the end of a workshop fizzles out. Right. I think the end of a workshop is a really important time mm. because so we have to plan our time for the workshop so that we've got time to spend at that last station. We mm. say, okay, is everybody at Sydney? This is great. Let's see what everybody has done and what everybody has interpreted as Sydney, mm -hmm. you know, um, and then get everybody to look at everybody else's pieces or yeah, uh, nice. give them some sort of praise or get everybody together and take a photograph mm. or something that really says we have arrived at Sydney. Look what we've achieved. Look what each person in the group mm. has achieved. And I think... That's really important too, you know, to let you know when you've reached the destination and make a little celebration of it. That's fantastic because, yeah, I think the fizzling out thing is so true and I think having that, that you know, real end where you can really enjoy it really lets people walk away with a, a good feeling about not only the workshop but you as a teacher and the experience as a whole. And especially if workshops are a big part of your business, that means they're going to tell people about it. You know, so that's a yeah. really, a really powerful thing as well. And the I just, yeah, brilliant. yeah, the end is so important. And I love that whole metaphor. That is brilliant. Train like a train. There's just so much, so much goodness in that little, in that little <laughs> story there. So thank you yeah. for sharing that one with us. Oh, you're most welcome. <laughs> <laughs> most so, welcome. So what's number four? Number four is 
to recognize that adults learn differently from children. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people who are arts and crafts instructors have been teachers. I yes. mean, I was a teacher in a high school for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved on to teaching at TAFE and at uni, and I realized, well, I sort of knew earlier since I taught teachers how to teach, <laughs> that um, that t- adults are actually on a different learning journey than than children are. Mm. Uh, I'll give you an example. If you stand in front of a classroom, it really doesn't matter what the... Um, what you teach to the kids. Mm-hmm. They haven't asked to learn it. You are just, they accept, oh, right, here's another teacher with another thing for us to learn. All right. <laughs> and they either listen or they don't. And they it either goes in or it doesn't. <laughs> and it's they have no meaning behind what they're learning a lot of the time. They don't, they haven't chosen that particular topic, they haven't chosen that particular subject, they have as later on in life maybe a bit, but not not as young children. So, but adults are quite different. The ones that you've got in your classes, they've paid good money to learn exactly what you've promised to teach them. Mm -hmm. And that means that their attention is on you, but their expectations are also much higher. Yes. And, but also, also, they've had life experiences which they are bringing to your class. So, you might be teaching felted jewelry, for example, and some of them have already learnt felt, some of them haven't, some of them do jewelry in their own practice, some of them, their sisters, do jewelry and they're thinking and what's going on in their mind is different from what's going on in everybody else's mind because what they're trying to do as you run their class your class your workshop they're trying to assimilate the knowledge you're giving them into their life Mm -hmm. into their practice into whatever they do the rest of the time some of them will want to learn it for just because it's something to do on that day. Mm-hmm. Some of them are going to try to assimilate it into their professional practice. Mm-hmm. Some are going to uh, take parts of it and use parts of it with things they already do or already know. Mm-hmm. So what each of your students is coming from a different place and learning in a different way as they're sitting in your workshop. Mm-hmm. And some of them look as if they're miles away and they're not listening at all and what they're actually doing is processing something that you've told them trying to fit it into their background of knowledge and practice so that is totally different from the way that children learn Mm. they're kind of more like sponges just absorbing it all for the first time whereas adults Mm. have you know so much going on there that they're trying to slot it into their a little bit of space and relate it to everything else they've already learned yes Mm. Yes, and and assimilate it with the things that they already know, which is, and they're quite different from what everybody else in the class knows. Mm-hmm. So yes, so that's that's absolutely true. Um, they respect adults. Another thing that's different is that adults really respect 
challenges. Mm. Children expect challenges. Uh Um, And adults respect that you are pushing them, that you are trying to get them out of their comfort zone and teach them something new. So Mm -hmm. that's good. Um, Another thing that makes them different is that because I'm not saying this isn't true of children, don't get me wrong, but when when an adult asks a question, it's usually a serious question. I mean, sometimes it's not. Sometimes, I must admit, you've got students in adult classes who are there to make everybody else laugh. There yeah. to, but, <laughs> but often the question merits your listening to them. Mm-hmm. Less times in in high school, as you know yourself, mm-hmm. do you get a serious question? <laughs> yes. The, the questions that you get in high school are meant to be time wasters, yeah. or to get you off track, or to make everybody think that they're the class clown, mm-hmm. or whatever other reasons that they're asking questions, <laughs> impress their, the other students, or something like this. But mm-hmm. with an adult class, it's much more likely that you have to listen really carefully mm. to what they're saying behind their question, yeah. what their problem is. And then um, you have to uh, respect them and give them a professional feedback style. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. I, I think... mean, no, nobody... Yeah, sorry. You no, was... you go ahead. <laughs> I'm talking too much. I know. <laughs> But, uh, no, about the professional feedback style, too many people say, oh, that's lovely. Oh, yes, darling, that's fabulous. Mm. Oh, you're doing so well. And you know you're not. Yeah. You're standing in the workshop thinking, excuse me, this is rubbish that's <laughs> in front of me. Yeah. I was going to use a word I shouldn't have been. <laughs> and, and they're giving you childish praise, Yeah, you know. It's... What you need is guidance. Is actual, mm. you know, uh, perhaps if you worked the felt a little more at this point, yeah. you'd get a stronger felt. I'd give it a go anyway. And, and that sort of professional type feedback, that sort of respectful type feedback, mm. which isn't always constant praise. You can praise them for all sorts of things. You yeah. know, I love your colors or, oh, that's fabulous. But, you know, the, <laughs> But to give them, when they're really asking their questions, to give them the feedback that they deserve, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. The, you know, I, I have been in that situation as well in workshops where, you know, you are struggling and so, or something's going wrong or you don't understand why something's happening the way it is. And you, you ask a question and they just kind of give you those sort of pat, like you said, childish sort of responses. And you're like, well, hang on a second. This isn't helping me. <laughs> you know, I, I need I need to be told what I'm doing wrong and how to fix it so that I can fix it and actually get with the program. Um, and I'm not going to be upset that you tell me that because that's why I'm here. And I think a lot of people, especially uh, women and possibly creative types, find it difficult to um, give not positive feedback. And I'm not saying give negative feedback, but I'm saying, you know, give direction and, you know, be very down to earth and very straightforward with people uh, and give them, yeah, like you said, that professional in-depth feedback that will actually help them move forward. And adults are going to accept that. You know, it's not like a kid who'll arc up at you and get angry when you tell them they're doing the wrong thing. 
because like you said that one they're adults and two they're there paying for an experience and you want to make sure you're giving them you know all the guidance they need to make that a positive experience that's true absolutely yeah. true awesome <clears throat> yes. so 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 we're up to five. On to number five <laughs> <laughs> here we are at station number five <laughs> um this last one is a just a very quick one but it's really, really important, I think. Mm. And that is show your passion. There's nothing um, that people in a workshop feel more than the, a drop of energy. Mm. You know, where everything flattens out. If the, if the tutor isn't absolutely passionate about what she's doing, uh, or he's doing, then the rest of the group, won't be passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. And they won't take that passion home with them. They won't take it to tell other people about your workshop. Um, the energy in the room is totally your responsibility as a tutor. Yeah. Absolutely. If it means in the practice, if you think there's a bit that sags, You've got to look at that part and you can think, how can I lift that? How can I ch change up the energy? Does it need that everybody works in a different way for a little while? Like everybody gets into pairs and discusses what they've been doing so far or everybody um, has a break at this point mm. or that we stop what we're doing and we come to the front and look at a bit of a demonstration, just something to change the energy in the room so that people don't flag, so yep. that the workshop doesn't flag. After lunch is a really difficult time oh, to teach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> so uh, I, I have, I, I often talk at, at business conferences and the per person who organises them, I look at the programme and I say, Judith, you've put me on after lunch again. She says, but I know you can handle it. <laughs> said, yes, that's not the point. <laughs> I don't want to handle it. <laughs> it's ten times as hard. But, but during that time, you've that's their sleepy time. Yeah. And so there's, there's various ways of dealing with that, dealing with change of energy, dealing with the, uh, the waves of energy that you get during the day in the room. And... Um, Maybe a game, mm. maybe something that, uh, a getting to know you thing, maybe a, um, maybe you want them to sort of have a little rest, mm. come, uh, discuss what they've learned so far, watch a bit of a video or, you know, there's all sorts of things that you can do to change the energy in the room so that they don't, um, experience a flagging of your passion. Mm -hmm. You've got to, and you know yourself, mm. if you've run day workshops, how important it is to keep that going and how difficult it is yeah. and how tiring it is. Or new teachers, when they've first been in the classroom for the, for the first day, second day, or for the first year, go to sleep when they get home because yeah. <laughs> they are so exhausted. It's so true. Do you remember? Yes, yes, I do. Because <laughs> you're, I used to say it's it's like being on stage for five six hours a day, like you yes. are you are performing 
for the entire yep. time. And it takes, especially for someone like, I'm an introvert, so that means I get my energy by being alone. So for me, like I love presenting and I love teaching. And at the time, I feel really energized because I'm having that backwards and forwards in a good class, obviously, with yep. my students. But then once I'm finished, I just completely crash because <laughs> I've used up all of my energy. <laughs> yep. And you've got to make sure that that crash doesn't happen in the middle of the yes. workshop. And you can tell when it does. Oh, yeah. You know, there are some, some workshops I've been to and by the, by mid afternoon, the tutors had it. <laughs> you know? And you think, uh, yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all go to sleep, shall we? That's it. That's it. And that's and, no fun. No. So you've got to plan out your day so that the energy level is constantly, I'm not saying constantly high, mm. but constantly changing, yeah. constantly interesting, um, so that the students don't feel absolutely exhausted at any particular time and, or that you're rushing them or anything else. But your enthusiasm has to be up there with everything else. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to make sure you're having fun. Now, mm. I don't mean telling jokes and, you know, <laughs> be constant. You don't have to be a stand-up comedian to no. run a workshop. But if you're relaxed, and you will be relaxed if you're prepared, yes. and you will be relaxed if you're doing this train thing, and they'll know where they are and it it's just works out really well to put all of these tips together and that helps you with keeping the passion, keeping the energy levels uh, and so that when they finish their workshop, they're on a high, they've completed something, they're taking something away and they're going to tell all their friends on Facebook, they're going <laughs> to tweet it, they're going to put it on Pinterest, what a great workshop it was. And your name's going to be out there and you're going to make even more students happy with future workshops. So Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's such an important, such an important tip, especially, you know, for those of you who are listening who haven't taught before, that's something to be really aware of is that energy and that you are, you are the focal point and you are the one who will, who will influence what's happening energetically in that room at all times and and really being aware of that is extremely important and and having that idea of the rhythm of of the class and the rhythm of your your students and and reading the room as well and I think that you get better at that with um with practice obviously but keep you know keeping an eye on the energy of everybody in the room and and trying to you know moderate that um and that's a, a really uh useful skill to work on as well yeah it is it certainly is. Yeah. So we've 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 visited our five stations. We let's yeah. let's recap them. So <laughs> number one, make sure you are prepared. Number two, limit the content. Make sure you're sh you're teaching the musts and then a little bit of the shoulds. Number three, train like a train. So tell people where they're going, keep them on track, and get them to their destination. Number four, remember that adults don't learn in the same way children do. Uh, they're there and they're approaching things differently and you want to make sure that you're giving them professional feedback. And number five, show your passion. You're responsible for the energy in the room and for keeping everybody on task and having fun and getting them to that final destination and having a, you know, finishing with a bang and finishing on a high rather than it kind of fizzling out. 
Yep. Fantastic. That is that is really like, I learned stuff in that in that little chat there which I love that train like a train I'm totally stealing that I will I will I will give you fair uh what's the word I'm looking for um, credit credit that's the word I'm looking for Honey, you could say. <laughs> fair credit for that credit. and um yes and th- that's a really really great concept I love that uh thank you so much Ree for coming on and sharing such awesome tips with everybody in the work in the podcast today in the workshop it is a workshop um so that has been really really fantastic thank you so much you're most welcome jess so before we finish up guys um i just want to remind you about Ree's book now Ree, where, where where can we find you and your book online okay um my website is uh the right impression that's my business but it's with w-r-i-t-e so the right impression.com.au is my website Uh, and if you go onto the website you can order the book through the shop on the website Mm -hmm. the uh, uh my uh email address if people want to contact me which they're most welcome to do is re r i e at therightimpression.com.au. Fantastic. And the, so, book, and the book is called Share Your Skills, The Ultimate Guide to Running an Art or Craft Workshop. Yep. It's also available on Amazon if they're interested oh, in downloading it. It's available also on Amazon as a paperback. So if they want to, if they're not from Australia, that might be easier for them. Okay. Awesome. That's fantastic. So make sure to check that out, guys. I've had a look through the book and it is really, really useful. There is. You, basically, if you have no idea about running a workshop or you've been running them for a while and kind of think, mm, I could probably be doing this better, it will help you to get yourself sorted and turn you, to turn you into a super tutor and make sure that you're running f- absolutely fantastic workshops for your students. Thanks so much, Ree. Thank you. Thank you, Jess. Bye-bye. It's been lovely. Bye. <laughs> That's been great. And there you have it, folks. I'm sure that you took a lot of notes or wanted to take a lot of notes, maybe mental notes <laughs> in that episode uh, about doing a fantastic job of running a craft workshop. Uh, and if you haven't already, if you've forgotten because you got so just absorbed, go get your free Etsy guide, createandthrive.com forward slash Etsy guide for your free two-page checklist that will help you start or overhaul your Etsy shop. And also, have you listened to my new show? I, sh- I really should mention this more often, shouldn't I? If you don't know, I actually co-host another handmade business podcast uh, called The Business of Making. And it is with my friends Michaela Danvers and Deborah Engelmeyer. And they both are also teachers in the online handmade space. And instead of competing, we are collaborating on this particular project, which is the podcast. And every week we have a conversation about some topic related to handmade business. And we like to keep it real (laughs) over on that show. Uh, We're getting a lot of really good feedback from our audience who are loving it. So if you haven't already listened to it, please do go have a listen. Thebusinessofmaking.com is where you can find us or just search The Business of Making on any podcast platform and we will pop up and you can have a listen to our crazy and useful shenanigans. I'll be back again next week with another episode of this podcast, the Korean Thrive Podcast, and uh, have a wonderful week. 
Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you spending the time with me and listening to me. So I'll be back soon. Bye for now.